Good morning. And welcome to all the people that are here today in the sanctuary for worship at First Church, and we welcome all those also listening on the radio this morning. We have a few announcements this morning before we begin worship. Uh, the red rose on the altar this morning is in honor of Vernon and Joanne Feldwish, who will celebrate 70 years of marriage on April 3rd. The two white roses on the altar are in honor of Emma Peoples and Kaylee Egbert, who are being baptized this morning. Congratulations to them. This summer, Pastor Joel will be doing a series of messages on hard questions. There's a box back near the Info Center where you can submit questions on things that you don't understand about the Christian faith. You can also email them to the address in the bulletin. And this this Wednesday, wonderful Wednesday, is the fourth of five leading up to Holy Week. This week we will have a taco night, so you're invited to join us for tacos at 545 for dinner. One other announcement, tomorrow's April 1, which of course is April Fool's Day, but uh, the next announcement I have is not a joke. We have an 80th birthday tomorrow. Uh, congratulations, Gloria Schreier. Thank you. And if you would, anyone that's able to stand and join me in the call to worship, taken from Psalm 46. God is our strength, refuge and our strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give away, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam. And the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And now we will continue to stand and sing our praise song in Christ alone.
This time I'd like to invite forward Emma Grace Peoples and Kaylee Renee Egbert for the Sacrament of Holy Baptism. Baptism is a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a, it's a time for, for people to stand and, and make, their, make their commitment to the Lord No, not only to God, but also to the, His church family and the people that are gathered here today. And that's what Emma and Kaylee are here to do this morning. Jesus gave these words, an invitation, a promise that's been offered to us all. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And it's in response to this command that we as a church baptize believers uh, in obedience to this. Later in Acts chapter 2, Peter said to the crowd that was gathered there on the day of Pentecost, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And so in response to this command from Jesus and this invitation we see on, on the day of Pentecost, we, we invite those who have professed their faith in Christ to, to be baptized. And so in order to, to make that good confession of faith, I'm going to ask you both these following questions and ask you to respond together. Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? And do you desire to be baptized now in this faith? And will you, will you then obediently keep God's holy will and commandments and walk in the same way all the days of your life? And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers? Praise God. And now let's all, as, as one body, as one church, recite the Apostles' Creed together, this great confession of the faith that we all share together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I invite you to pray with me at this time. We thank you, O God, for our baptism into Christ's death and resurrection. In the beginning, your spirit moved over the waters. In the time of Noah, you destroyed evil in the water of the flood. And by your saving ark, you gave a new beginning. In the night of trouble, you led Israel through the sea. In the water of the Jordan, our Lord himself was baptized. And in the baptism of Christ's death and resurrection, you have set us free from the sin and death and opened up the way to eternal life. May Christ, who sank deep into death and was raised Lord of life, keep us in the grip of his hand. May your spirit separate us from sin with the faith light of day and endure the dark of night. To you be all honor and glory and dominion and power now and forevermore through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This time I will invite all of you to uh, recite this congregational promise to both Emma and Kaylee.
mentioned already, this is not just for them here this day, although that is a, they are here to confess and profess their faith in Christ. But this is a moment for all of us as a church body, as a church family, to, to promise to come alongside them and, and encourage them and help them in their walk with Christ as they continue to grow and to be more like Him. So I invite you to respond to my uh, command here with the words that are printed in your mind. Brothers and sisters, as we receive Emma and Kaylee into Christ Church, I charge you to love them and to assist them to disciples. This time, Emma, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you and give you peace. Amen. And Kaylee. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together again as well. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank You for the gift of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank You for the free gift of salvation that is made available through His death and resurrection. Thank you for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that you wash away our sins and give us new life as we put our trust in you. We pray for Emma and Kaylee. Bless and strengthen them daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to them the riches of your love. Deepen their faith and keep them from the power of evil. Enable them to live holy and blameless lives until your kingdom comes. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. This time, as they, as they make their way back to the seats, I want to invite you to now stand and greet your neighbor as the children also come forward for children's chat. Hey, guys, come this way a little bit. Okay? I switched up sides because sometimes I feel like that side of the church gets to see everything all the time and this side of the church misses out. So I decided to come over here today. Okay? All right. So I brought with me a tree. Okay? Now... My tree is missing a couple things, isn't it? Leaves. Leaves, yeah, well, it's missing leaves, but it's also missing some branches, right? So, I need to put some branches on my tree. You see, our scripture reading today is an awesome story about how God is the vine and we are the branches. Okay, so God is like the tree that we have here, right? Now, can the branches do anything if they're not connected to the tree? No, No. what happens to the branches if they're not connected? They blow away, they fall off, they're dead, aren't they? Can they make any fruit? No, they can't make any fruit. So if my limb falls off my tree, is this fruit going to live? No. Now, let's take this, put my, put my branch back on because I need to be connected to God. Whoops, my family and friends fell off though. All right, so now let's pretend this tree is God, okay? And when my branch is connected to God, okay, I am in God. I am listening, I'm doing my Bible stories, I'm coming to church, I'm going to Sunday school, and all of those things. Now, sometimes, sometimes things happen and that in our lives and that branch falls away. Yeah. 
And we're not really too connected to God anymore. And that's when things kind of start to go downhill. Okay? So our story today tells us that if we are connected to God, our life is much better because God is the center. Without God, our life is not really worth living. So we want to make sure that we are part of God's tree, part of the vine and the branches, so that we are connected, so that we can bear much fruit, okay? Because we can't grow and learn if we're not connected. So we need to make sure that our branch doesn't fall off and we don't lose sight of God. Because when God is in our life, things are going good, aren't they? Yeah, God God keeps things on the right track. But you know what? Sometimes when we get So sometimes when we get older, things happen in our lives and we think that it might be God's fault that they happen that way. But you know what? It's not really the way it works. When we stay connected to God, then good things are happening and God can help us get through those times when it seems like everything is going wrong. Okay? So, let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for being our tree. Thank you that we can be the branches and that we are securely attached to you. Help us to bear fruit, to show others how much we love you by the things that we say and do. Please keep us healthy, and we are ready for some spring weather. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. No, it is hard to talk about spring when there was snow outside when you woke up this morning, isn't there? I invite you to stand, if you're able, at this time and sing number 435, What a Friend We Have in Jesus.
Amen. You may be seated. I invite you to pray with me. Father, as we gather here this morning to worship and we and praise you, we thank you for the, the gift of baptism and the reminder that that is to all. That, that as just as water uh, washes away our, 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 the dirt and the filth in our body, your spirit has washed away our sins. As we are in Christ, we are made new and we are a new creation. And that's what baptism represents. And so we thank you for Kaylee and for Emma and thank you, Lord, that they have made that decision to follow you. And we pray, Lord, that, that you would strengthen them and equip them to do so this day forward. We also pray for everyone here that is gathered, all that are listening on the radio, who have made that same decision themselves. And we pray that you'd use this baptism today as, a, as an encouragement, as a reminder of our commitment to you. And I pray that your spirit would also strengthen us to follow you each and every day. We know, Lord, that this this journey you've called us on, this, this, this call to follow you, to take up our own cross, is a, it's a daily, moment-to-moment commitment, Lord. And so I pray that you would strengthen each one of us to follow you and to, to do that, Lord, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, we also pray this day for uh, our radio listeners in particular. We thank you for the many, many who listen in, Lord, who aren't able to physically be with us here for these worship services. We thank you for the blessing that the radio ministry is, and we ask that you would use it to, to strengthen the faith of those that listen into this radio. We, we also pray, Lord, that many would listen in and hear the gospel and be able to, to trust you, Lord, as a result of that ministry. We give you all the, the glory and praise that belongs Lord, to you. We also pray for our, our, uh, the Daily Bread Soup Kitchen in Lima, who is the recipient of our offering this day. We ask for your provision for them. We thank you for the many, many uh, people that they impact in the Lima community and, and the surrounding areas as well, Lord, and ask for your continued provision and blessing on their ministry. Uh, we pray, Lord, also, as we do every week, for those that are represented in the bulletin on our prayers list, we ask that you would be with each person that's there in the, in the situation that they represent. We pray for healing for those who are in need of it. We pray for uh, strength and endurance for those that are facing difficult times. And, and in all of it, Lord, we ask for your grace and your presence to be made known. Lord, as we face uh, our lives, the daily challenges that come with living in a broken and sinful world, we ask that you would strengthen us and equip us, Lord, to do so with grace and with faith. We pray all these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite those who are are helping with the offering to come forward at this time as the choir sings, As Jesus gave, so may I give.
Please be seated. Our scripture today comes from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my... This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we are here this morning to uh, continue our our worship and praise of you. And that continues, Lord, as we open your word together and, and read what and study what it has in store for us. And so we ask that you would, by your spirit, help us to understand what uh, what you have for us this day. Uh, help us to grow in our knowledge of you. And Lord, as a result, help us to grow more and more in Christ and our relationship with you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So for, for those of you who have been with us these past few weeks, you know we've been continuing this conversation about, about what it means to find our identity in Christ. We've talked so far about uh, how we are created in God's image and all that entails for us. We are uh, not here by accident. We have a purpose and, and a meaning that God has created us for. And that is first and foremost to know him, to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength, to love others as ourselves. Uh, that is the purpose that God has given all of us, no matter who we are, uh, when we've lived or where we've lived. Um, that is what God has instilled in all of us. Uh, the second week we learn about how that, that perfect purpose, that perfect relationship that God intended for us was broken by sin. The world we live in is broken, the, the society and culture we live in is broken, and, and we ourselves are broken by sin and, and all the effects that that has for us. That relationship that we were meant to have with God was, was destroyed. We were separated from Him. And it's something that affects each and every person. All have sinned and fall short of His glory. Uh, and last week we learned about the good news of the gospel, that we are loved, forgiven, and saved in Christ. That God didn't leave us in our sins, but has, but has rescued us. He has forgiven us. Uh, he has taken our, the Lord Jesus has taken our sin upon Himself on the cross and died there in our place so that we could know Him and be forgiven. And it's simply a matter of us, us trusting in that promise that He has made to us through Christ. That, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life, as John 3.16 says. And so we continue that conversation today because, because that, that commitment to Christ isn't the end of a journey, it's the start of one. The decision to trust the Lord and trust in His promises to us to receive and experience His grace and forgiveness isn't the end of a journey, but it's that first step in a journey with Christ, a, a journey to know and love Him with all of our hearts and all of our lives. And it's a journey that continues for the rest of this earthly life and then will continue on into eternity. And so today we're going to talk about what that looks like, what that means to be, as our sermon title says, in Christ. 
Now, the reason I, I chose that is because that is a very, a, a very common and popular usage of our description of what this relationship looks like in the New Testament. Paul, in particular, uses this phrase, in Christ, uh, over and over again, some 80-some times in the New Testament, to describe the, the connection that a believer has with Jesus. And so it's, it's interesting. We often think, and we got this, this caricature of, of this you know, typical evangelical prayer of, of receiving Jesus into your heart, right? We've all heard that before. We've all, we've all probably expressed that in one way or another to maybe our children or someone we're trying to explain what the gospel is all about. Uh, this idea of, of we receive Jesus into our heart. Now, I don't, I don't want to say that that's, that's wrong, but I want, to say we, I want to encourage us to look at it from maybe a different perspective, to trust in Christ isn't so much to receive him into our lives, it's for us to be welcomed and received into Christ's life. We are no, it's not that we have this little hole carved out and, and we just fit Jesus in there and he somehow makes us complete or we, we keep him in this little box and separate him out from the rest of our lives. No, the New Testament picture of what it means to trust in Christ is for us to enter into him to enter into his life, to be so enveloped and surrounded and, 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 and who remain in Christ, as this passage says in John 15, that we become a part of, of him and what he's doing in this world. It's, very, it's not so much this individualized, ask Jesus into your heart and, and keep him in a box for Sunday mornings, but it's, but it's to be so uh, in such a, uh, a relationship with Christ, to know him in such a way that we enter into his story, we enter into his life, and, and we begin to see him shining through us as a result of that. And so this passage from John 15, this description of Jesus as the vine and us as the branches, is a great picture of what this looks like. Christ, we are, we are in Christ. He is a, we are a part of Him. In other words, we don't ask Jesus into our lives. He accepts us into His. We become one with Him. We become a part of His family, a part of His body as the New Testament describes the church. In doing so, we enter the relationships on His terms and not our own. The very first Christian confession we see, even in the New Testament, is, is Jesus is Lord. And what we mean by that is, is He's in charge. He's the boss, right? He's the one who gets to, to dictate what our lives look like, not the other way around. And so to follow him, to trust in him means that we submit to his authority, we submit to his will, we submit to his calling, and we set aside our own desires and our own will. We die to ourselves so that we may live in Christ. And this picture of the vine and the branches is one used throughout Scripture to describe what that relationship then looks like. In fact, we see in the Old Testament that Israel was meant to be God's vine uh, the, to, to fulfill God's purpose in this world. In Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, God describes Israel as this vineyard. That God describes how he planted this vineyard. He cared for it. He provided for it. Also that this vineyard would produce fruit so that others would be blessed as a result of it. But there's a problem, right? Israel didn't produce the kind of fruit that they were supposed to produce. They weren't fulfilling that calling that God had placed on their lives. And so God says he, re he removes the hedge of protection around them. And so this image of, of God's people being and supposing to be a vineyard or to bear fruit is an is a analogy we see throughout Scripture. And it's one that Jesus picks up on 
in this chapter, John chapter 15. You see, Jesus is that true and faithful vine. He's the one who fulfills the purpose and the calling that God has given us. Right? Jesus' life was, that perf- was a life lived in perfect obedience to God the Father. Perfect obedience that we as, as sinners in need of a Savior never could fulfill on our own. And so Jesus stepped in and, and He lived that life for us. And so our calling as believers, our calling as Christians is, is not to try to do it on our own, but to live a life that is in Him so that He produces that fruit in our lives. And that's what this passage is talking about. John 15, over and over again, Jesus talks about remaining in Him, abiding in Him. And so we need to make sure that we are in Christ in, 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 in a real and significant way. You see, I want to I give us, ourselves a little bit of a warning here because I believe it's possible to, be, to know Christ it's, in a sense that we know about Him, we know of him we are we can be associated in a sense with Christ but not truly be remaining or abiding in him you see there's 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 people that know of Christ but truly don't know him or haven't experienced his grace and his forgiveness and we see that attested elsewhere in the new testament in Matthew chapter 25 Jesus tells this parable of of these people that 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 thought they were in Christ, thought they had done all these wonderful things, but found out that, they, that Jesus didn't truly know them because they weren't truly doing the will of God. And so it's important for us to know when we talk about knowing Christ, when we talk about <clears throat> uh, remaining in Him, it's not just, it's not just knowing uh, head knowledge about Christ. It's not just knowing the facts and the figures. It's, it's knowing Him in a real sense in terms of a relationship. It's knowing Christ in the sense that we know our family or we know a good friend. It's a relationship that is built on Christ and built uh, because of what he's done for us. See, it's possible to know Christ but not truly bear fruit as this passage calls us to do. And so what does it mean then to have that true significant relationship? What does it mean to be in Christ in that way? It's about intimacy. It's about a spiritual connection. The word to remain or to abide, it means to, to continue on in a certain direction. It means to, to stay put, to endure or even persist in something. It means to reside or dwell in a certain place. For example, my family, we now remain, we abide, we dwell in New Knoxville, right? This is the place that we call home. This is what our family knows as home. Miles in particular, he was born here. He doesn't know any different. But even Josephine, she was born before we moved here, but we were just talking the other day. She doesn't know anything. She doesn't remember anything about our old house or the place that we used to live. You know, this is what she knows as home. New Knoxville is the place that she knows and experiences as home. That's the kind of uh, connection that this word is supposed to entail. It's, it's to remain, to abide. It's the place that you call home. It's the place that you have a deep connection with. And so we're called to remain, to, to call our relationship with Christ home, to find purpose and meaning in that. And we have a great promise in Scripture that when we do that, when we put our trust in Christ, that we will remain in Him and, 
and we cannot be separated anymore from, from the love that God has for us in Christ. At the end of Romans chapter 8, Paul tells us these words. He says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, when we remain in Him, it's not about us working hard to remain in Him. It's not about us and our own willpower, but it's about Christ holding on to us, sustaining us, helping us to remain in Him. We cannot be separated from Him. And so Jesus wants us to have the same connection with Him that He does with the Father. And how do we maintain, how does that happen? What does that look like? It happens through obedience. In John 15, he says, in John chapter 15, verses, excuse me, uh, verse 10, it says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. You know, if we, if we are in Christ, then we'll, we, we should respond to his grace through obedience. You see, obedience isn't how we enter into the relationship with Christ. It's not how we become part of his family, but obedience is the, is the right and good response to the grace that he has given us. And that's what this whole conversation about fruitfulness is really about. You know, obedience, bearing fruit, helps to maintain, to grow, to nurture that relationship, but it's not what gets us into it in the first place. The relationship is, is initiated and we are brought into the relationship only by the merits of Christ and what He has done for us. His death, His resurrection is what earned us that right to be in Christ, to know God in this way. And our re- proper response to that then, to the response to His love and His grace is obedience to his word and so it's necessary then to produce that sort of obedience produce that sort of fruit but it's only in christ that we're able to do so he says apart from him we can do nothing now we can do plenty of good things in this world right apart from christ there are plenty of people that don't claim to be christians that have a positive impact in this world that's true but what what jesus is talking about here is things of eternal value we can't save ourselves that's only something that christ does in us right we can't save other people that's only something that christ does in them but but he's going to use us as 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 tools as 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 the way that he accomplishes his will in this world it's in christ that we're able to do things of eternal value not in our own strength but through his spirit living in us and working through us and so our fruitfulness then is an indication of that new life we have in christ just to build on this analogy of, of plants, right? healthy living plants produce fruit. Plants that don't produce fruit are, are unhealthy or even dead in and of themselves. The way that we can tell that a tree or, or a crop is good is by the fruit that it produces. In the same way, our fruitfulness in a spiritual sense is meant to be an indication of our life in Christ. And so that fruitful branch is meant to represent believers. The unfruitful branch is meant to represent unbelievers, people who don't know Christ. And Jesus, Jesus uses this analogy to make a distinction for us so that we can, can know what it means to be in Christ, so that we can know that those who are in Christ will bear fruit as a result of that connection to the true vine. 
Elsewhere in the, in the Gospels, Jesus says that we can tell a tree by its fruit. He says that in Matthew chapter 7 during the Sermon on the Mount. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. We could tell, we can evaluate ourselves in our own life and, and, and where we are in Christ based on the, the fruit that we see, the evidence of, of our life hidden in Christ. And notice again, this fruitfulness is a product of our relationship with Christ. It's, it's, the, it's the natural result of knowing Him and being in a relationship with Him, not the prerequisite to that relationship. But we also need to be careful that we don't just use this analogy as a way to judge others and look down on them as well. This is meant first and foremost to be a way to, to, to evaluate our own connection with Christ. Earlier in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus warns us, to not judge, or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you, you'll be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You see, we can be really careful. We need to be really careful how we judge others based on our on their fruit. It's meant to be a way that we can look at ourselves, and 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 we can and are called to hold other people accountable. But that accountability comes through a relationship built on trust. A person needs to know that you love them, that you care for them, that you want the best for them before you call them out regarding their fruit. So we need to always be very careful how we do that. Back to this John 15 passage, we're also taught here that as part of that fruit-bearing process, as part of what it means to be in Christ, that sometimes God will then prune us. Now pruning, it seems hurtful, it seems mean, it seems rude, but it's necessary for growth. In order to truly be a healthy plant that produces good fruit, sometimes you need to cut away the parts that aren't producing. Sometimes you need to cut, apart the way, the, cut away the parts that aren't good for you in order for the rest of the plant to flourish and grow. And God does the same thing in our own lives. In a sense, it's like addition by subtraction, right? God removes sometimes the things in our own life that get in the way that are stumbling blocks in our relationship with Him in order for us to grow and bear even more fruit. Sometimes we have habits, we have attitudes, we have beliefs. Sometimes it's even people in our lives that stunt our growth, that pull us away from God. And so the loving thing for God to do is to remove them so that we can grow more and more into Christ's image. And sometimes he asks us to prune ourselves, doesn't he? I truly believe that God rarely prunes us supernaturally. It's not like one morning you just wake up and you're a completely different person. But I do believe that God works in and through us in our own decisions and our own habits. And so he asks us to get our own hands dirty too. And sometimes we need to make the decision to let go of what is holding us back. We need to, we need to allow God to prune us and be willing to allow him to do that so that we can truly receive what God has in store for us. 
Now, pruning doesn't mean that God doesn't care about us. In fact, not pruning would indicate that God doesn't care. Right? How, do you, how can you tell if someone truly cares about their garden in their backyard? Whether or not it's being taken care of, right? If it's overgrown and full of weeds and just, just miserable looking, then it, it indicates that that person doesn't truly care about the product of that garden. But someone who takes care of it, who weeds it, who prunes when necessary, is someone who truly cares about what is happening there. And the same thing is true in our own lives. God shows us He cares, shows us He loves us by pruning us. In Hebrews chapter 12, God encourages us to endure hardship as discipline. It says in the beginning of verse 7, God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all have human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. And later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. See, pruning is necessary. It's necessary for a a healthy, vibrant walk with Christ. And it's necessary for us to grow more and more in his image so that we can bear fruit that is in keeping with righteousness. And so in closing, I want to share three things that are ways that we we can remain in Christ. As I said before, producing fruit is not our responsibility. It's not something that falls on us, but we can put ourselves in a position so that Christ can bear fruit in us. You may call these things spiritual practices. You may call them just simple habits, whatever you call them. The idea is allowing ourselves to be worked on by the Holy Spirit, by by investing in our relationship with Christ. And I believe that all things, all spiritual practices, all things that we do to, to grow in our relationship with Christ are simply variations on these three main things. And the first is to be in Scripture, to be in God's Word. Scripture is God's revealed will, His, His revealed character, His words spoken to us. And so there's no better way to remain in Christ, to know God better than to be in His Word. Matthew 7 again describes uh, two different kinds of people. Those who, who hear God's Word and puts them into practice, they're like a builder who built his house on a solid rock. Those who hear God's word but yet don't do what they say are like the foolish builder who built his house on sand. And when that same storm came, the one that was built on the foundation stood, but the one that was built on the sand did not. See, God's word is that foundation for us. And, and so we need to be in it. We need to know it. We need to put it into practice in order to grow in Christ. The second is prayer. We read Scripture, God's Word to us, and then we respond to what we hear in Scripture through prayer by, by talking back to God. All relationships really need a two-way communication. Right? I can't truly, I can't say that I, I know, uh, Allie very well if we never talk, right? Can't, can't see a relationship grow and grow and grow and mature if, if we never communicate there. And so prayer is like our way to communicate with God. It's our opportunity to respond to God's word, to God's work in our lives, and to, to, to hear again what he, anew what he has to say to us. So there's scripture, there's prayer, but there's also corporate worship. 
what we're doing this morning, right? Gathering on a regular basis with other believers to be reminded and refreshed in a Christ-centered way rather than focusing on ourselves and this world or our own problems. Corporate worship is a way for us to practice focusing and setting our sights on Christ and encouraging and building one another up to do so as well. And worship is, uh, corporate worship is where we praise God together. It's where we fellowship with other believers and, and where we truly are able to practice what it means to be the family of God, which we'll talk about next week as well. And so scripture, prayer, and corporate worship are all ways for us to, to position ourselves to, to be fruitful, to remain in Christ. And I want to close now with just a few things that are results of that and reminders. One is that fruitfulness takes time. We're not going to be completely different people when we wake up tomorrow morning. God works in us for the long haul, the bigger picture perspective. And so we need to remember that, that we are working, that God is working in us and, and it's a, we are all works in progress. We're not going to necessarily be a different person tomorrow, but a year from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, we should see change as a result of knowing Christ and being in Him. And fruitfulness is, is, is ultimately from God. As I said, we don't work on it our own. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul teaches the church there that, that some may water and some may plant, but ultimately it's God who makes it grow. God is the one who, who produces fruit and who makes this happen in our lives. And so it's, it's a matter of not relying on ourselves, but relying more and more on Him each day. And finally, fruitfulness makes us more like Him. We were created to bear the image of God, but that image had been broken and distorted because of our sin. And so fruitfulness is about restoring that image that was broken. It's about becoming the person that we were created to be in the first place. In 2 Corinthians 3, it, Paul says that we are being transformed more and more into the likeness of, of Jesus, into the Son of God. That as we grow in Christ, we will begin to see less of us and more of Him. And that's ultimately what the goal of the Christian life is, to die to self, to live for Christ, to see His light shining through us. So in closing, I want to pray for you that, that our prayer would be, our lives would be in line with John the Baptist, who said, as he, as he saw, as Jesus began His ministry, Jesus, or John recognized this moment and said, He must increase, I must in- decrease. That's the prayer for all of us and our relationship with Christ. Let's pray that together. Father, I thank you that you are our God. Thank you that in us you bear fruit and that you make us new. Help us, Lord, to continue to grow in our relationship with you. Help us to put our own desires, our own, our own sinfulness aside and allow you to work in us and through us. Help receive us into your kingdom, receive us into your family. And make us more like you each day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. In closing, let's stand and sing number 364. My Jesus, I love thee.
And now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You may go in peace.